Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Daryl Finch. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28. We'll get there in a few minutes. Last week we started a new series talking about mysteries. Uh, anybody have any mystery in your life? You, I mean, does everybody just understand everything's going on? Yeah, me neither. There's some things sometimes you just can't figure out. And there's a reason for that. Because the only one who knows everything is the one who created everything. And that's God. And we can only know what God in His wisdom chooses to reveal to us. Now everybody has an opinion. But only one is right. And that's God. And what we call mystery in the New Testament, it's a a word called mysterion. And the word is defined as truth, which human intellect could never discover, but now has been made known by divine revelation. It's not something man would have come up with, would have thought of. It's truth which must be revealed by God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 7 says this. It says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, mysterion. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. And then verse 14 of that same chapter says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned or appraised. But Jesus gives his followers a promise. It's found in Matthew thirteen eleven. It has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. I want you to say this with me. It's been given to me to know the mysteries of the kingdom. God wants to reveal to you the truths that the natural man cannot receive. Last week we talked about the mystery of God. And we discovered that what God is, only God is... And God does what He does because He is who He is. God is the only spiritual being of persons, being relationally one, who created everything out of His own goodness and love. What God is, only God is, and what God does, He does what He does because He is who He is. He cannot act other than His own character. If that is true, then why is there so much evil in our world? Why do we need a safety team at church? How many of you remember when church doors weren't locked? Right? I remember those times, you know, as a kid, I remember you could run up to the door and just go on in. But, you know, we're living in a day when it just seems like evil is rampant. And uh, there's a scripture. I, I, let's just say this. I hear it all the time. Doesn't the existence of evil prove there is no God? No. There's been the debate over the millennial of mankind. And so this morning, I want us to look at the mystery of evil from a Christian perspective. Now, I want you to listen to me. I'm not talking about reason. I'm not talking about psychology. I'm not talking about what all the experts say. I'm talking about it from a Christian perspective, from a biblical understanding. Because those things are foolishness to the natural man. But they're spiritually appraised. 
Second Thessalonians 2 7 says this for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. King James says the mystery of iniquity. Others say the mystery of wickedness or the mystery of evil. Here's the question. If God created everything, does that mean that God created evil? God created everything according to his character, which was goodness and love. God does what he does because he is who he is. Well then, if God only created what, what's good, then how did evil come into being? I want you to read this statement on the screen because I want you to see it for yourself. God is the creator, the essential cause of all things, but never the cause of anything that's contrary to his own being and character. I want you to understand, God is good. And everything he created, you remember what he said? That's good. And when he created man, he said it was very good. Well, then where did evil come from? Here's the thing. What God is, only God is. So when God create creation is not God. God created something, someones, who were not God. God created creatures out of himself, angelic and human, out of his own love. And here's the point I want you to see. Love relationships must be by choice. You cannot force someone to love you. You cannot command love. Love must be the response from you to another. It's your choice. Wife, poke him and say, you can't make me. Love is a choice. Love relationships must be by choice. And here's what I want you to see. God, creating creatures out of himself, chose not to impose his absolute sovereign power upon them, but allowing them the choice that would have consequence in their relationship to him. God's love was himself for others. God wanted his creatures to choose for themselves to live in dependence and in relationship with him, to respond in love to him and to one another. Well, if that's the case, then where did evil come from? I'm going to say emphatically, it doesn't come from God. God did not cause it, though he created that which allowed it. It came from the choice of God's creatures. According to Scripture, before the God created man, He created angelic spiritual beings. We don't have specific verses that tell us, but it's indicated in the Old Testament. I found this verse, it's amazing. When Job was questioning God, you remember God, God allowed Job to be tested and he suffered. And finally he came to a time that Job says, God, where are you? And he challenged God. And in Job chapter 38, God answers Job and he says to Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you when I created all of this? And on what is it hung? And, and he just starts, but there's a verse there that I've never seen before. Does your Bible ever sneak verses in? It's Job 20, 38 verse 7. 
And God, it's right after God says, where were you when I formed the foundations of the world? It says, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. The morning stars and the sons of God are angelic beings created by the direct act of God. They were with God when he was creating. They were with him before the earth was created. Scripture doesn't say when and all that kind of stuff, but here's the point. They were there. The morning stars and the sons of God were angelic beings with God when he created. One of the morning stars was Lucifer. We know him as Satan. In fact, Lucifer, the very word means uh, light bearer or the morning star, the bright one. These were created by direct act of God. They were created for two reasons. The angelic beings were created to glorify and to serve God. They were created to glorify and serve God. They were not created out of something else. They were created out from God Himself. God out of Himself created angelic beings. Now when we think of Satan, how many of you think of evil? Wicked one. Evil one. Murder. Lies. But that's now not how he was created. In Ezekiel chapter 28, I ask you to turn there, a message is given to the king of Tyre. Now, in the message, the prophet talks about the spirit that was empowering the king. Now, now understand, there's a lot of people say, well, he was writing that to a man. Well, there's something you'll find in Scripture that oftentimes in the prophecy that God not only speaks to the man... The king, but he speaks to the spirit behind the king, the one that's empowering the king or empowering the kingdom. And so here is the king of Tyre. Let me give you a New Testament example. You remember when Jesus was telling his disciples he was about to go to the cross and he was going to die. And Peter takes him off to the side and says, far be it from you, Lord. And Jesus said something. He said, Satan, get behind me. Now, it looked like he was talking to Peter, but he was talking to the Spirit behind the words that Peter was using. Okay? So, when Jesus spoke, he spoke to the Spirit that was influencing, moving Peter. When he speaks to the, Tyre, the, the king of Tyre, he's speaking to the Spirit that's behind the kingdom. And I want you to look at Ezekiel 28, and I'm going to read it first. Now, my, the, the slide's not going to have it on there first, because I want to read first out of the New King James Version. It says in verse 12, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God, and every precious stone was your covering. And then it names the stones. And look at verse 14. For you were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. Look at these next words. Till iniquity, till evil was found in you. But by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. 
Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. Look at this in the message. It says, you were the anointed cherub. Jesus is called the anointed one, the Messiah. The anointed means the first. The anointed means the chosen. The set-apart one. God is saying he was the anointed cherub. I placed you on the mountain of God. You strolled in magnificence among the stones of fire. From the day of your creation, you were sheer perfection. And then imperfection, evil, was detected in you. In much buying and selling, you turned violent. You sinned. I threw you, disgraced off the mountain of God. I threw you out. You, the anointed angel cherub, no more strolling among the gems of fire for you. Satan started out the perfect creation of God. Then imperfection, evil was found where? In him. Well, what was the evil? There's the statement there of trading in the New King James. Merchandising, it says in some versions, but buying and selling. He traded. And here's the, let me give you, the Hebrew word carries the idea that uh, trading is, it's not that you're just trading for something that's yours for somebody else's. The idea is that everything there belonged to God. And Satan was taking what was God's and was displaying it through his beauty to the world, through his splendor to, to creation. But, but Satan decided, I'm not going to give all the glory back to God. I'm going to, let's say it like this. Your owner, the owner owns everything, and you sell something of the owners for, for $300, and you give the owner 200 and you put 100 in your pocket. That's called merchandising. It's called trading. In other words, in the Hebrew, it was the idea that you took a something that belonged to another. Satan put in the place that he was literally to be the reflector of the glory of God, traded on God's glory and took some for himself. And iniquity was found in him. And it turned violent. The idea here in my mind is it turned to where he was requiring it of others. We know that not only did God cast out Satan, but he cast out a third of the angels who were following him. Evil was found in him. I don't know what all that means, but another passage in Scripture, turn over to Isaiah chapter 14. In another passage, it spells it out even more. This was a proverb to the king of Babylon. Remember, and he's going to speak to the spirit that's behind the kingdom. In verse 12, in Isaiah 14, it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you're cut down to the ground, you who awaken the nations. For you've said in your heart... I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of the God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Now look at these words. Every one of them is going up. I will ascend. I will exalt. I will sit on the mount, the highest point of the congregation. I will go the farthest sides of the north. The north is usually up on most maps. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like, and look at the name he uses for God, the Most High. 
And God says to him, you shall be brought down, down to Sheol, down to the lowest depths, down to the pits, to the pits. Satan was the first eye specialist. Five eye wheels. The word will there is desire. I desire to be exalted. I desire. I desire. I, this is what I want. Love. Remember last week I told you the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is selfishness. Okay? Love is God's self for others. Satan turned it from self for self. I will. He was given the choice and he chose to use his desires to exalt himself. Evil starts with the desire to rob God of his glory and take it for yourself. Evil is the essence of selfishness. It all started in an angel. Created in perfection, but given the choice. Satan's determined choice to be like the Most High. God, the Most High, cast Satan to the ultimate last. Now listen, this is, this is extraordinary to me. For one thing found in him, and when he responded and chose for that one thing that was found in him, God moved him out from being first to the very bottom. To the least. He became the negative to God's positive. He became what he was supposed to be the glory bearer. He became the one who was the adversary to everything that was of God. From the highest of God's character and glory to the lowest of God's enemy and adversary. Satan, the one who was created to be first... To glorify, praise, and worship and serve God became the enemy, the devil, the accuser, the liar, the father of lies. The source of all evil, iniquity, sin, and selfishness. He became the evil one. Now listen to me. All before the world was created. He was cast down to the lowest depths of the earth. Last week we talked about in the beginning God created in verse chapter Genesis chapter 1. I want us to look at verse 2. Because some people, and I don't know, I mean, let me just tell you, there's lots of things I don't know, and this is one of them. Among thousands. There are a lot of people that say, well, verse 2, there's this big gap between verse 2 and all that follows the creation stuff. It doesn't matter, but there's part of it that does make sense. Satan was cast out to the earth. And in verse 2, it says, the Lord created the heavens of the earth. And then it says in verse 2 of Genesis chapter 1, it says, the earth was without form, means chaos, was void, empty, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Without form, void, darkness. Chaos, emptiness, and darkness. And then it says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In English, we have called conjunctions. And a lot of times, in I know in the Greek, I'm not so sure about the Hebrew, but a lot of times you can exchange the and for a, with but. It's a contrast, conjunction. Well, just stop. If you could read this this way. All of this, the chaos and the emptiness and darkness, but God's Spirit moved over the face of the waters. It was hovering over the face of the waters. And so God... In a place of chaos, 
Well, in the face of emptiness, in the face of darkness, you see then creation. God said to the darkness, let there be light. And then he formed uh, the earth and, and he, he divided, he put order in place. Out of the chaos, he put order. And then we know that he put fullness in the earth. He filled the earth and he said it was good. I love Robert Morris has a, has a statement in there and he's telling this story and his, his, uh, sermon is more about worship and things like that. But, but he tells this story and he's using this example and he says, and Satan was there in the garden and he's, and he was saying to God, well then, but all of this, the no longer chaos, no longer void, no longer darkness, but who's gonna praise you? Who's gonna represent you? Who's gonna bring glory to you now? Robert Morris used the illustration. I think it's so good. He says he reaches down and takes a piece of dirt, blows his life in, and it says, they will. They will. And he created Adam and Eve. Man was created in perfection. Created to be a receiver and display of the character of God, His Creator. He was created in perfection and put in a perfect environment and given a perfect purpose. But He also was given the same choice. To receive and derive all from God or from someone else. We know there's two trees in the garden. The tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. One tree would lead to life of dependence, trust and reliance on the life of God. The other would lead, God said, if you eat that of tree, you'll die. Genesis 3, verse 1, we have the story. Now the serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the Lord said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the middle or the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You'll not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. Now, don't you t- here's, my, here's what I hear in that. You'll be like the Most High. Knowing good and evil. We know the story. She believed the lie. She saw it. It was good. She... Make good to make one wise. She took of it and she gave to her husband and they ate and they died. Now when we think of death, we think of the heart stopping. The breath leaving the body and the body falling down lifeless. But that's not the only idea of death according to Scripture. Spiritually, death is the absence of the only one who is life, the Spirit of God. When man believed the lie, he didn't cease to be... He didn't cease to exist in a living form. He now lived without the Spirit of God in him. Listen to me, but man wasn't empty because he was created to be a container. He was created to be a responder to the Spirit that would influence and motivate him. He was filled with the Spirit of the one he believed. He was empowered, led, fed by the spirit of the evil one. Man turned over to Satan the dominion of the world system, the cosmos, that had been given to him by God. And one of these days I'm going to do a study on the cosmos. That's an incredible word. Because it literally means not just world like the earth. It means the world system. 
that the dominion over the world system, the cosmos, was turned over to the enemy. Jesus himself acknowledged this when he called in John twelve thirty one that Satan was the ruler of this world. When Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he said, Jesus, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world if you'll just bow down and worship me. And Jesus didn't argue with his statement. What I mean that is that he, Jesus literally acknowledged that this world system was under the evil one. Satan's aim, listen, is to create a system that rivals God's kingdom but leaves God out. Me and you are living in that system. So what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying man without God acts like the devil. Romans 5.12 Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Now let me tell you, Adam started it, and we, everybody since Adam, has been in Adam. We were born from Adam, you understand? If Adam, we're, just take my word for it. We're in Adam. All of us came from him. Now listen to me. But even if we were not in Adam, because of what Adam did, we still choose to do what Adam did. Left to the choice, we choose self. Romans 1 talks about, though we know, let me get it there, it's not going to be on your screen. The wrath of God is being revealed against heaven, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, and suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. But although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thinking or their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts and and to dishonor their bodies among themselves. In other words, we know God deserves all the glory, but I'm not going to give it to Him. I'm going to take some for myself. And even if Adam had not have done it, because of Satan and his ability to Deceive me and blind me. I'm sorry to say I still choose to do that myself. I'll take it. What about me? I know that's just me. You're not like that, right? So when you look at a photo, that a family photo, whose picture are you drawn to first? Whose picture? Who do you? Whose face do you look for? Yeah, and if your faces doesn't look too good, it's a bad picture. Right?
Ephesians 2, Paul says this. He says, you were made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now energizes works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also you once conducted ourselves in the lust or the desires of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. Man without God acts like the devil. Number two, man's not inherently evil. Now listen to me, you've got to get this. Man's not the devil. He's not an individualized devil who can generate sinful and evil activity in and of himself. Man doesn't come up with it on his own. He does, however, have the freedom of choice and is responsible for the decisions he makes concerning the spiritual being from whence he derives his behavioral expression. After Adam, man became dependent upon the one who had the power of death. Jesus came to destroy the one, Hebrews 2.14 says, who had the power of death. I used to think that that meant who had the power to kill. That's not what it means. It says there's a power of death at work in our world. The, the enemy blinds the eyes lest we see and believe. There's a power of death. There's a resource, a personal resource that is working death in mankind. Paul explains that death reigns in fallen mankind, Romans 5, 17. This is not a static spiritual emptiness. It's not that man is just an empty person. He's got a personal resource of the spirit of the prince of power of the air energizing in the sons of disobedience. Satan's character is that of self-centeredness which relates all things to himself in order to benefit himself. And it's that character that Satan seeks to activate in man's behavior and was allowed to do so by the choice of man. Apart from God, man could respond to Satan and do all kinds of evil. The guy that walked into the church down in South Texas did it by choice. Now, he didn't do, he wasn't the devil, but he was energized and empowered by a spirit and he chose to give it power. Now, listen to me, so can everybody else. And most do without ever acknowledging that there is a God. I will not, I, I, you know, we have country and western songs about if heaven doesn't have certain things, I guess I'll just go to hell. Well, listen. God is self for others. Satan is self for self. And the law of sin and death is operating. The one committing sin, 1 John 3, 8, the one who commits sin is of the devil. Now that we think is of the, well, you're of the devil. That, that word of doesn't mean, well, you just have this system. The word of means comes out of. You get your strength and authority out of the devil. The one who sins is out of the enemy. The behavioral manifestations that are devoid and absent the character of God. They're called dead works. They bear fruit of death. They bring forth death. The accumulated dead works of sinful attitude and action become the collective death manifestations of the world system governed by the God of this world. Man's not inherently evil, but he sure responds good. 
Man's in a world of evil. Well, preacher, is there any hope? You know I'm about to tell you. Just one. I want you to hear that. Is there any hope against evil? Just one. Romans 5.19 For by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. The message says it this one. One man said no to God and put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God and put many in the right. We just read a while ago Ephesians chapter 2 where it talks about being dead in trespasses and sin and walking according to the course of the world. But look at verse uh, uh, 4. It says, but God. And the Spirit moved on the waters. But God moved in the midst of evil who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? Why would God do that? That in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. To God God is always, He does what He does because He is who He is, and He's always for others. In great mercy, rich in love, He gave Himself for us in His Son, Jesus Christ. That He might show Satan and the angels and all of glory who He is. Through us. By the mercy of God. Boy, that's good news, folks. That's good news. Here's my point. No evil is beyond the power of the love of God. Now, I'm glad I have an executive pastor. He pointed to me, pointed out to me after the first service, you're getting, you're getting an addition. You remember Satan, the I wills in Isaiah. I will exalt. I will. Let me give you some I wills from God. This is in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25. I'll sprinkle clean water on... This is God speaking. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and will keep my judgments and do them. Then you'll dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. I will. God says, I will. I don't know about you, but I'd rather have His will than Satan's will. I will. God does what He does because He is who He is. Well, preacher, if God's good, He's all-powerful, why wouldn't God just wipe out evil? You know God's God enough to do it, right? I hear that. And I've got an answer. If God wiped out all evil, He'd have to wipe out you. You see, that's the other lie of the enemy. Evil's everybody else. That's the lie. Not me. I'm right. Everybody else is wrong. 
Not me. I do my best. And my best is good. If God decided just to say, okay, here's the point. He did one time, remember? When the evil was exceedingly bad, there wasn't anything found. God caused a flood. And He saved only eight souls. Guess what? It didn't wipe out evil because He saved one of us. And God said, I'll never do that again. And He put a rainbow in the sky. Here's what He said. I'll send my own son. I'll come. And I'll live the life they couldn't live so that I could die the death they couldn't die. And I'll take evil out of this place in myself that whoever believes in me would not perish but have eternal life. Could God wipe all the evil out? He has in His Son. There's no other way. Now listen to me, please. God's not overlooking evil in our world. Evil will be paid for. It'll either be paid for by His Son in Jesus Christ, or it'll be paid for in the lake of fire burning for all eternity that wasn't prepared for mankind at all, but was prepared for the devil and his angels. Evil doesn't win. Love does. And we're most like God when we are most for others. Choose life. The miracle is we still have a choice. We still have a choice. God's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. Well, why does God let all these bad things happen? Because people make bad choices. Choose life. I have every opportunity at every moment to choose to respond to the Spirit of God who lives in me and not choose for myself. And God's trying to trace. So here's the thing. It takes God in us, the I will. He has to put that new heart in us. He has to put that new spirit in us. And we have to learn how to live that way. But I have to choose it. I have to choose it. The miracle is, He loves me enough to give me a choice. You have a choice this morning. Choose life. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.